Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Joe of Word of Prayer Cultural Center in Largo, Maryland. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. It is my prayer that you are both blessed and enriched by what you hear. Feel free to share with friends and family, and also feel free to follow us on our social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram. Our social media handle is at Wopsy, W-O-P-C-C. Visit us online at wopsy.church. God bless and happy listening. Father of all fathers, we honor you. (laughs) The Father of all fathers, we honor you. Father, anybody know him as a father? Hallelujah. A protector, Father. A shield, Father. Hallelujah. The source of love and strength, Father. We worship you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. He's worthy to be worshiped. He's worthy to be exalted. He's worthy to be praised. And that's what we've come to do. We've come to praise him. Amen. Anybody come to praise him? Anybody come to receive a word from God? Hallelujah. Go ahead and take your seats as we get into the word. Yes. Yes, Lord. Amen. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to stand here and declare a word on this Father's Day morning, um, and thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, all of the, the words shared um, this morning. I know I can speak for Bishop and I that they mean so, so very much, and they are um, encouragement um, to keep on keeping on and to continue to do what we've been called to do. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, If we can turn in our Bibles to Proverbs, all right, the book of wisdom, and we're going to look at the 20th chapter, and we're going to lift up verses 6 and 7 in the King James Version. That is Proverbs uh, chapter number 20, starting at verse number 6 and then going to verse number 7. And it reads like this. It says, most men will proclaim everyone of his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. The title for this message is A Man with a Plan. And if I had to have a subtitle, it would be The Investment of Integrity. The Investment of Integrity. Let us pray. God, we come before you right now in this moment, declaring that you shall speak what you want spoken. Father, I ask that you right now would um, literally decrease me, increase you, God. Um, Use me as a vessel. Speak. Uh, with power and authority, God, give guidance, God, and give instruction, give correction, and give encouragement. Give what your people need through this word. 
I pray, Father God, that I will not be limited to the notes, but that Holy Spirit will speak whatever it is that I may not have even prepared for. Um, Father, I pray, though, that our hearts are prepared for whatever it is that you have for us. This is my prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Brother Ransom, it's good to see you in here today. <laughs> Proverbs 26 through 7. If we look at it in the Amplified, um, it reads like this. It says, many a man, <laughs> many a man, many a man proclaims his own loyalty and goodness. But who can find a faithful and trustworthy man? All right. How many of you know that your lineage will speak for itself? You don't got to do a whole lot of talking when you've been living right, when you've been walking in integrity, your lineage, as was spoken of, Deacon JB, he, he told us about that, how your lineage speaks for itself. And verse seven says, the righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in accord with uh, his godly beliefs, how blessed, if we're blessed by the brackets, it says happy and spiritually secure. I love that. Spiritually secure are his children after him who have his example to follow. It's amazing it's, and it's a blessing uh, to have examples. You're always going to have an example. Even if it wasn't an example that you were related to, it wasn't an example in the house, there's always going to be example. The thing is, there's always going to be good examples, and there are always going to be bad examples. But I don't know about you, and I'm okay with, say, for example, my sons growing up and being inspired by other men, but I want them to be able to healthily follow my example. I love how the scripture talks about uh, spiritually secure because a lot of times we search and we are sure to establish and we desire security. Some of us, we want to uh, secure the bag. Uh -huh. Some of us are looking for relationships because we're in search of emotional security. Oh, but I'm so glad today that the scripture speaks of spiritual security. Anybody want to be spiritually secure? I want to let you know that this message is a quote-unquote Father's Day message, uh, but everybody should lend an ear because there's something in it for you. Yeah, yeah, there's something in it for you. A man with a plan. The investment of integrity. How many of you know that integrity is a type of investment? Men like plans. If nothing else, women like men with plans. <laughs> Ladies, that was your chance to say amen. In life, there um, are certain plans that you could or maybe even should have. A plan regarding your family. A plan regarding your finances. 
Maybe a five-year plan. Anybody got a five-year plan? Maybe a short-range plan and then a long-range plan. Some insurance plans and maybe even some investment plans. But I stopped by here to tell you today that there is no investment quite like a spiritual, godly, Christ-like investment. Because I heard the old folks say that only what you do for Christ so when everything else, all the perishables that we hold so dear, all of the valuables that we can't take with us, when that dies off, only what we did and only what we invested into spiritually and kingdom-wise shall live on. And so true legacy has everything to do with spirituality. Because there's no sense in having a savings plan for your family but not having a plan for your family to be saved. Amen. <laughs> There's no sense in setting them up in this temporary life just to die and burn in hell in terms of eternity. Oh, y'all don't like that gospel. Y'all don't like when I say die and burn in hell. Y'all want soft pastoring like y'all want soft parenting. <laughs> There's no sense in investing in your children's future apart from faith because you're investing in their future but not investing in their forever. The point is, don't get me wrong, nothing is wrong with the types of plans and investments, etc., that I've mentioned, howbeit all of it is secondary to the magnitude of the importance of the spiritual investment that a father has the great opportunity to sow into their children and to experience a spiritual return. And one of the greatest ways that we can invest in our children spiritually is with the power of our own integrity. Amen? Yeah, the power of our own integrity. Integrity, I heard somebody say, integrity is um, what you do or how you are when nobody's watching. But I want to remind you, somebody's always watching. Especially children, they're watching when you don't know they're watching. Caleb is one years old, and he is in that mimicking stage where he is acting like he's doing whatever we're doing. Whether it's ironing, whether it's cooking, whether it's driving, he's always watching. And some stuff he does, you're wondering, I didn't teach you that. But how many of you know that more is caught than taught? Before we go any further, let's take a look at what integrity really is. Because honestly, I believe that some of us, I know I used to, some of us have a misconception of what it means to have integrity. Some of us are maybe even scared of integrity because we think it means to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But what if I told you that integrity has more to do not with being perfect as much as it does with being honest? Yeah. A man of integrity is not a man free of error. A man of integrity is not a man who does not make mistakes as much as it is a man free of deceit. 
free of living dishonestly. The root word of integrity finds connection to the word integer. Anybody know about that word? Yeah, yeah, uh, some of us, math might not have been our favorite subject, but if you matriculated through school somewhere along the line, you probably got in a math class and they began to talk to you about an integer, what an integer was. Uh, D-Rob, she might be watching today. She knows what an integer is. It's a number that is not a fraction. It's a whole number. And so when you look up the word integrity, it's a late Middle English word from the French integrité or Latin integritas. And it all comes from the word integer. Okay. In our journey to be upstanding in our journey to be upright, and in our journey to be morally honoring, what we got to make sure that we are is our whole self. All right? So right now, we need to work on showing up as you, not being a fraction of who you are, and telling your whole truth. Because if we need fathers to be a little more of anything, I believe we need fathers and men to be more transparent. Some lessons I believe we could have learned if for our father's transparency. And so for those of us who are fathers or those of us who are men or those of us who are believers, hold on to that nugget because transparency is gonna bless a child, a mentee, a, uh, somebody you're discipling way more than perfection ever will. Amen? So don't be scared of integrity. You don't have to be perfect to be integral. I want to look at Job real quick. Y'all know about our buddy Job? Amen? Not to be confused with Job. That, that you know, uh, it's spelled the same way. But this is Job here. And some of us know about his story. I want to look in chapter 2 and highlight some things about Job. We'll look at verse 3. And then we'll jump to verse 9 in the New King James Version. That's Job 2 and 3 and Job 2 and 9 in the New King James. Is this coming across clearly to anybody yet? Amen. It reads like this. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity. Although you incited me against him to destroy him with cause, he still held fast to his integrity. If we jump down to verse number nine, let's see what verse number nine has to say. It says this, it says, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Eee. Do you hold on to your integrity even when the one whom you're closest to and whom you're partnered with might be saying otherwise? My Lord. If we look at Job 27, 3 through 5, um, I want to look at that one in the New Living Translation. That's Job 27, 3 through 5 in the NLT. Let's take a look at that. It says this, as long as I live, this is Job talking, this is his departing speech, as long as I live while I have breath from God, 
My lips will speak no evil, and my tongue will speak no lies. I will never concede that you are right. I will defend my integrity until I die. Woo, go ahead, Job. Job was a bad boy. I'm reminded of uh, back in the church I grew up in, um, and, and, and Bishop was the um, men's day chairperson, and I remember a specific year where the theme was, um, but as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. And they had a song and everything. It was a men's chorus, but as for me, I'm going to walk in my integrity. It's amazing the stuff you remember. I was probably like four years old. But as for me, I'm going to walk holy. I mean, I, I remember that. But you remember that, Bishop? All right. And so Job is a great example of integrity. Job, you all, I would probably call the classic example of integrity. And we need Job's. But guess what? We also need David's. Let's go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Let's take a look at that. It says this, And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. Verse 3 says, And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Amen. Verse 4, Now if you walk before me as your father who? David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness. You must not be talking about the David I know. Is that David? If you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgment, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David, your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Let's look at it in the message real quick. Because I got to make sure we talk about the right David. It says this, um, it says, after Solomon had completed building the temple of God and his own palace, all the projects he had set his heart on doing, God appeared to Solomon again, just as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. Verse three, and God said to him, I've listened to and received all your prayers. You ever so, uh, your ever so passionate prayers. I've sanctified this temple that you have built. My name is stamped on it forever. My eyes are on it and my heart in it always. Also for you, if you live in my presence as your father David lived, pure in heart and action, living the life I've set out for you, attentively obedient to my guidance and judgments. Verse five says, then I'll back your kingly rule over Israel, make it a sure thing. Hallelujah. 
on a solid foundation, the same guarantee I gave David, your father, I'm giving you. What a recovery. Way to go, media team. You can count on always having a descendant on Israel's throne. You all, this is the David that I think it is. It's important to note, you all, that we know, and maybe even uh, most well, a time where David fell. But how many of you know that the scripture still talks about him having integrity? It says that he had integrity of heart. That's important. Integrity of heart. So this means that, yeah, his reputation with man might not have, at least in the moment we know of, been all that. However, he had integrity not always on the streets, but he had integrity with God. He was honest before the Lord. And the scripture even says that he was a man after God's own heart. How is this, you all? Because uh, David had a commitment to following God in spite of his mistakes. And this is what our children need to see from us fathers. This is what our children need to see from us mothers. This is what young people and people who are looking up to us need to see from us everybody is that we have a commitment to follow God in spite of our mistakes. He knew where to go. That's the thing about David. David, he listen, he, he wasn't perfect, but he knew where to go. He knew where to run. And if you are committed to following God and know where to go when you fall, eventually you'll stop falling. Amen? Because now unto him who's able to keep me from falling. And so it's not as important for your children to not see you fall as it is for them to see where you go when you fall. Do you turn to drugs? Do you turn to womenizing? And do what do you do? You turn to gambling? Do you what do you turn to, or do you turn to God? Because what they see, just like one-year-old Caleb, they'll begin to emulate. And where you go when you fall, because you will fall, and they will fall, but where you go can turn into where they go, and that's how we develop things like iniquity and generational curses it's because of patterns it's because of what we've seen but I believe we've got some generational curse breakers in the house and that's why God sent this word because you're breaking a pattern you're breaking a stronghold on your bloodline I'm excited for Mike and for Jared y'all are about to break some stuff up that's gonna set these babies up right Daddy, where do you go when you fall? Not daddy, you don't fall, huh? Daddy, show me where to go when I fall. David, he was a man after God's own heart because he had integrity of heart. If you can focus on your heart instead of trying to focus on your actions and looking good, then you would actually be good. And you'd begin to experience a transformation where in going to God in those low broken moments, in going to God when you fall, he'll build you up where you're torn down. He'll strengthen you where, you where you're weak. And now you see that you're literally transforming. And that is something worth watching.
something worth emulating and something worth giving God the glory for. Amen. Listen, on your road to be Job, be a David. On your road to be a Job, because how many of you know that sta Job standard? Woo! However, listen, we're trying to be like Job, just like we're trying to be like Jesus, because he seemed pretty close. <laughs> But on your road to be a man of integrity, on your road to be found blameless, on your road to be a Job, at least be a David. Until you can be blameless, at least be honest. Until you can be blameless, at least be honest. And it starts with being honest with yourself and being honest with your God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is a freeing word if you allow it to be. And so I have three quick points. They had me preaching lately, you know. At Wapsie, I'm at home and I can just, you know. But I, I've been, been the guest preacher the last two times I preached. And I said, I got to get right. I got to have, you know, introduction, transition, conclusion. I got to have three points in a poem, you know. And so... I said, well, let me give y'all a little, little bit of that structure today. Amen. <laughs> and so the first thing that I want you um, to have, first of three things, that's going to help us regarding uh, being a man with a plan or being a woman with a plan um, and having this investment of integrity. The first thing is to reframe your idea of weakness. Reframe your idea of weakness because, uh, first of all, we know what reframing is. We talked about that um, a few weeks ago. And so we know what it means to reframe, but we, especially as men, if I can talk to the men for a minute specifically, we must, if we're going to undergo transformation, if we're going to make God who we run to, if we are going to be um, these men who have integrity of heart, we have to reframe our idea of weakness because a lot of us, our idea of strength is actually a picture of toxicity. And so we have to make sure that we detoxify because a lot of what we learn a man's strength is, is in opposition to strength in God. And so we have to strip ourselves of these old ideas of what it means to be strong that are actually keeping us spiritually weak and self-dependent and self-reliant. And so one easy one that we know, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are told, and it's getting better, but especially back in the day, that men don't cry. And now we have men who don't emote and now we have men who explode. And you don't want us to cry, but you also don't want us to uh, be people who are exploding at home on you. And the emotions have to go somewhere. And so little things like that are things that we have to strip ourselves of. We have to create safe spaces for our sons to cry. It's a human emotion. Who, who it reminds me of, you know, the enemy can get us to believe some stuff because God asks Adam, who told you that? Where'd you get that from? Who, who told you you were naked? You didn't even know what naked was before somebody, who told you? Where? 
And so who told you that tears equal weakness? Is, can, you, can you give me that scripture? Can, who told you that? So this stuff that has come through the years, this stuff that has been passed on, you've got to begin to check that stuff and say, where did I even get that from? Who told me that? Who told them that? And what qualifies them to define that? I'm talking a human emotion. I'm talking something that everybody has to do, then we have demonized as weak. Mm -mm. Nope. That's the type of stuff that we have to reframe. You're not strong and you're not somebody who, you know, has this, I guess, uh, street credibility and somebody to be looked up to because of how many women you done got with. That's weak. That's actually the weak thing. It takes a strong man to be devoted to one woman. That's where the strength is. And so that's what the enemy does. I preached about that yesterday, that the enemy, he tries to make wrong right and right wrong. And now you're going after something that's dead wrong when really you could be going after the thing that is right in the eyes of the Lord. And so it takes a strong, it takes a, that's so weak. You ain't no man because you, you can, huh? If you break it down, it doesn't even make sense. And so you got to reframe stuff like that. Break it. Break it. Reframe your idea of weakness. You're not strong because you got it all together. You're not strong because you can handle it. You're strong because you are a man. You are the head of your household, and you lean, depend on, and work for the creator of the universe. He's backing you, and that's where your strength comes in. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. In the King James it says this, uh, for this thing I besought the Lord, how many times? Thrice, all right, three times, that's my favorite number, thrice, um, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made, per it's made what, y'all? Perfect, it's made what? Perfect, it's made perfect in weakness. So what this is saying here is that some stuff that you're trying to pray away, you can't pray away. Because I want to exhibit my strength through the grace that I'm giving you in your weakness. That you won't succumb to it. You'll be dealing with it, but you won't succumb to it. You, you, you'll be navigating through it, but it won't overcome you. It won't overwhelm you. Hallelujah. Who Jesus. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And you'll never know my grace if I snatch you out of every fire. You'll never know my grace. It'll always be something that you just sing about and read about until grace meets you in the fire. And you have evidence. Huh? And you have a testimony. 
of God's grace. His grace is sufficient. Thank you, Jesus. You don't know the sufficiency until you find yourself in something that God won't pull you out of. And so even with that, the power is not in that you're so holy that you can rebuke it and be done with it. The power is in that you're able to withstand the pressures of it in spite of it because of the grace that's on you. Oh, Jesus. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. You start looking at things differently. Your perspective changes. In reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so we got to reframe our idea of weakness. The next thing we have to do um, fathers, we've got to rediscover the weight of our words. And I know we just talked about managing our mouths, but the creative power mixed with the authority that a father has can make or break a child, depending on what words they release over them. As a matter of fact, I, in the name of Jesus, I bind every negative word that has been spoken over you by an authoritative figure. I speak, listen, every word curse must be broken in the mighty matchless name of Jesus. I speak a crop failure over that in the name, dig it up, Lord, pull it up at the roots and we replant seeds of what God has said about you. You are brilliant. You are beautiful. You are strong. You can make it. You can do it, son. You can do it, baby girl. You got this because God's got you. There's something about when the word of the father is released over the children and I stand here as your spiritual father. I stand here as your spiritual covering, creating a new covenant with my words over you. You shall live and you shall not die. You shall walk in your authority. You shall walk in your calling. You shall be what God called you to be. Somebody receive that. Come on, receive that. Maybe your father never said a word to you. Well, here's your word. Here's your word. You better receive it. You might not even know who your father is. I stand in proxy of the man who brought you into this world. You may not have a good relationship with your father, but I speak over you right now in the name of Jesus. You are the inheritance of the Lord. And every good thing that God has spoken into the earth concerning you, 
I stand to reiterate and to echo it over your life that you shall live off of the fruit of these words and not the fruit of any negative words that were spoken over you. We bind them up in the name. We bind them up in the name of we bind them up in the name of Jesus. You hold your head up high and you hold your back straight because you are a son of the king. You are a daughter of the king. Your father owns the cattle upon a thousand hills. The silver is his and the gold is his and you are his. Somebody say, I am his. I am his. I am his. Some of you, your life has changed today. Some of you, your life has changed in this moment because all you've been needing is a word from daddy and you've been looking for it from a physical figure when all along it was the spiritual figure that needed to release a word over you. Daddy loves you, baby. And don't you ever forget it. Some of us have been living under our means because we've been living at the capacity of the words spoken over us. But today, we've cracked the glass ceiling. Today, whatever it is that has been hovering over us because of poor word choices, even from mama, the mothers don't get off the hook because sometimes the mother got those mouths and they are emotionally driven to say, you're just like your daddy. But I want you to take that statement and say, thank you, I'm like my father God. I am just like my daddy. I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. I was made in his image. I'm a designer original. Thank you. You're right. I'm just like my daddy. No better compliment. No better words have been spoken. Oh, I feel God in here. There's a release in the atmosphere. There's healing being released in this atmosphere. Some of you, your daddy was present, but he still never spoke life into you. I want you to receive it too. It's not just for the absentee father. It's not just for the one who didn't know their father. Some fathers were in the house and still didn't speak life into you. But I come for you today too. Oh God. I come to speak to you as well that the father of all fathers has come to release a word over you. And that word is a word of victory. Whew. And that word is a word of triumph. And that word is a word to let you know that you are exactly who he says you are. And don't you ever forget it. And don't you ever forget it. Thank you, God. And every word he spoke to the earth, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. 
That's all I keep hearing. Every word that he's spoken over you. You may before have been seeing the manifestation of some word curses, but because we broke those this morning, every word that God spoke into the earth concerning you, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're going to live it. See, there's something special about a father's word. It gives you backing. It gives, it, it give, when, when my father tells me I can do it, I believe it. You know, I believe that I can do it. You know, I love uh, the mothers, but the mothers are going to tell you what a mother's going to tell you. But that father, when he tells you you can do it, you believe you can do it. And so I'm coming to you today. Hallelujah. I'm coming to you today to let you know that you can do it. Your father is backing you in heaven. That whatever you put your hands to, hallelujah, it's going to prosper. Whatever it is that God put in your heart, it's going to happen. You're going to see it. <laughs> You're going to see it. You're going to see it. You can do it. You're going to see it. He believes in you. You're going to see it. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to see it. Hallelujah. You're going to see it. Whew, didn't plan for any of that, but y'all heard my prayer, right? My prayer was even what I haven't planned, God. You, you, you do you. You speak what you want spoken. And so, yes, we have to rediscover the weight of our words Go ahead and sit down if you can. There's a few scriptures I want you to write down. We won't go there. Only if you can. If not, stay in the moment and get the replay. Amen. If you're still receiving yours, then go ahead and receive it and get the replay for the rest of it. But I do want to put it out there so it can be replayable. Amen. And so in discovering the weight of your words, there are three scriptures that I want you to have. Matthew 12, 36 through 37. That's Matthew 12, 36 through 37. Another scripture is Proverbs 18, 21. Thank you, God. Proverbs 18, 21. And then Proverbs 15, 4. So again, that's Matthew 12, 36 through 37. Proverbs... 1821 and Proverbs 15:4. The last thing that I want you to be mindful of, point number three, is that we got to rewrite the faith narrative for future generations. We've got to rewrite the faith narrative for future generations. And some of the men in here are already doing that. Because some of our fathers didn't go to church. Some of our fathers even sent us to church. But here you are in the room, in the building. Here you are rewriting the faith narrative even just by your presence. Receiving this word, you're rewriting the faith narrative for future generations. And you're empowering yourself to flip the, the script. Amen. And so um, it, being mindful of that, I'm going to be obedient to the spirit and the flow of the spirit. I'm not going to go there, but I need you to write this down. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 1 through 12. This is so good because I'm giving you scripture to read this week. I'm giving you scripture to meditate on this week. Hebrews 11, 1 through 12. Another is uh, verse 
17 through 34. We're still in Hebrews 11. Write down 1 through 12 and write down 17 through 34. And then lastly, write down verse 39. Now, of course, you can read it in its entirety. But verse 39, I want you to look at that in the amplified in the message, that verse 39. And just to give you a backdrop and an explanation, Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. Yeah, it's, it's where we learn about faith being the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But not only that, if we look at the context, it gives us so many examples, you know, like a Hall of Fame, where it's like all the greats in one, in one place being acknowledged. Well, Hebrews is the Hall of Faith. And if you read these scriptures, you're going to see people like Abraham. You're going to see uh, people like Sarah. You're going to see people like Job that we read about. And you're going to see all of these examples of great men and women of faith and what their faith allowed them to do. Right. And so uh, let's see. I, I want you to read it on your own time. But check this out. The question that I have for you, the takeaway that I have for you is what will they say about you? What legacy will your faith leave? Will you be in a modern-day hall of faith? From Abraham, we can be encouraged. And from Job, we can be encouraged. From Sarah, we can be encouraged. And from all these examples that are given in this hall of faith, we can be encouraged what will somebody be encouraged to do because of the example of your faith? Yeah? Well, first, <laughs> you have to be courageous and integral enough to tell your story. Because we're reading and we're being encouraged about these people because they shared their story. And so to tie this all back in, being mindful of being transparent. Our children, they need that from us. God didn't take us through and make us and allow us to live through all that we experienced for it to be secret. For you to not share the power of our almighty God. Again, some out of fear of weakness. That's not going to make you look weak. That's going to make you look strong. And it's going to help somebody else in their place of weakness. And so let's be a man with a plan. Let's be okay with making a grand investment in our children and in our lineage. And that is an investment of integrity. Ways that we're going to do that, again, we're going to reframe our idea of weakness. We're going to rediscover the weight of our words and we're going to rewrite the faith narrative for future generations. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be uh, like Job in that I want to get to the point where I'm, I'm found blameless. But I also want to be like David. I want to be known as a man after God's own heart. But as for me, I'm going to walk in mind integrity can we give God glory can we give God glory all over the house can we thank him for giving us a deposit from heaven